Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Charlie Ebdo cover of Meghan Markle, Lost in Translation. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Well, yes, I'm sure by now you have heard about the uh, infamous <laughs> Charlie Ebdo cover. It is a cover that I'll describe to you in a minute um, with Meghan Markle, the star of the cover. And the internet and really uh, all over, <laughs> online uh, and offline, people are, are uh, just going crazy about this. And it's because they are misinterpreting it. When I say going crazy, I mean, uh, primarily people are you know, furious and, and not everybody, <laughs> but uh, people, people who, you know, we have lost our sense of humor these days and everything is being looked at as being uh, non-PC or being uh, something that needs to be canceled. Um, you know, satire is a very, um, a very sophisticated art and it's a very French art. And the magazine, Charlie Hebdo, um, which has been around for years, uh, it's a satirical magazine and it brings forth this French tradition of satire. But the problem is that these days, um, people are not in a satirical mood, I guess, except for perhaps uh, late night TV shows where they expect that. But in any case, um, let me explain why uh, people are um, misinterpreting it, why they're translating it wrong. And remember, in case you haven't heard me say this before, um, I lived in France, I lived in Paris for years, and I also lived in London. Um, so I have a good, <laughs> I have my finger on the pulse of what really is going on in the minds of the French and of the British. And, um, and I have been um, outraged about the Meghan Markle interview, actually, the interview with Oprah that appeared on CBS. Um, and so I, before this Charlie Hebdo cover, I was already, uh, you know, doing a lot of television and radio interviews and talking about um, how outrageous it is. And I'll get to that, why it's outrageous and so on. But let me just, so I tweeted today when I heard all this kerfuffle about the uh, Charlie Hebdo magazine, which by the way, I love, you know, I love their satire um, and they have paid dearly for continuing to um, promote freedom of speech. And I'm gonna tell you about that as well. So anyhow, today I tweeted, meaning of Charlie Hebdo magazine cover is being lost in translation. 
it mocks Meghan Markle's false claims of racism, not racism itself. This satirical magazine has paid for its freedom of speech with terror attacks over Mohammed cartoons. And then I put the um, hashtag, Je suis Charlie. Uh, that was the hashtag that um, after the terror attacks, people you know, used on Twitter and other social media platforms to show that we are for freedom of speech. Um, now that's a hard thing to be for these days with cancel culture. And satire is on life support in today's cancel culture world. So we all need to be grateful to Charlie Hebdo for fighting on for the freedom of speech despite all the terror attacks that they have received, not to mention all the controversy. Of course, they love stirring up the controversy, but, um, but again, people are freaking out because they think it's racist, which it isn't. So this is the cover. In case you haven't seen it yet, um, you can always go to my Twitter <laughs> feed and look, look at it, or you can find it all over the internet. Um, it is a picture of um, the Queen of England um, with her foot on top of Meghan Markle's neck. Now, of course, the idea is it is, it is a satire of George Floyd. We know that George Floyd, whose trial has just begun, um, was a black man was um, was attacked was had I, I don't want to say killed since he hasn't been he hasn't been found guilty yet but a black man let's do it this way a, a white police officer is on trial currently for putting his um, uh, foot on the uh, neck of um, or his foot or his hand a part of him on the neck of George Floyd for almost nine minutes which caused George Floyd to not be able to breathe. And, um, and that is, well, you know, it's a question is whether, whether it was murder or what it actually was. But in any case, in this picture, the Charlie Hebdo picture, it says, Pourquoi Megan Akite Buckingham? Why did Megan leave Buckingham? Buckingham Palace, of course. And then she is on the ground. Uh, she's kneeling, the queen is kneeling, I guess that's what, um, uh, Chauvin did, the uh, police officer, um, he kneeled on George Floyd. And uh, so in this, in this cartoon on the cover of Charlie Hebdo, the queen is kneeling on Megan's neck. And um, so she says, Megan, you know, there's a little balloon above Megan um, for what she said. And it says, um, Parska, um, Wait a second. Parce que je ne pouvais plus respirer because I can no longer breathe. So that's what, um, that is what um, was said by um, um, George Floyd when the policeman put his knee on his neck and he you know, said, I can't breathe. And that's, of course, you know, on all the t-shirts and all of that, I can't breathe. So this is the cartoon. Megan is saying, I can't breathe. And the queen is kneeling on her neck. Now, um, I will admit it is not a very flattering cartoon um, of the queen <laughs> or of Megan for that matter. Um, but so people, especially people in the UK are freaking out because, because they're angry at um, making fun of the queen in any kind of sense. And I, I, you know, I think the queen is amazing. 
I think she's a very classy lady, a lady who has managed to uh, uh, rule over her country and the and the Commonwealth. And she is not um, she is not racist. Even uh, Megan um, and um, Harry, uh, in their interview with Oprah, said that. Well, I'll get to that. But they, they did not. They didn't call. They purposely said that it wasn't the Queen or Prince Philip who they are alleging are racist within the royal family. So this cartoon is not saying that the queen is, I mean, that's not the intent of it really to say that the queen is racist, but um, no one, you know, it, I will admit that, you know, the French, I think, um, I think something is literally lost in translation here. And people are just so quick to think that it's something bad, that it's something racist. So it's a combination of the of the language and of the fact that um, people want to, you know, jump on everything and say that uh, that it's racist and to cancel it. Um, so, so that is the that is the cartoon, and I do suggest that you look look at it for yourself and you can, you know, if you haven't yet, and you can make your own opinions about it. Um, but, and, you know, of course, he's like combining the Queen of England, Meghan Markle, and George Floyd all in one cartoon. But um, one has to look at the whole history of uh, Charlie Hebdo, the magazine, the cartoons. I mean, remember, and I'm going to be telling you, reminding you a little bit about the history later in terms of um, terrorism. And the the this is the same magazine that put um, countless pictures um, of the Prophet Muhammad on its cover. And of course, um, the the um, the payback or for, for that or the the reaction to that um war was several terrorist attacks more than one terror attack um and in one of them the, the major one in 2015 uh there were 12 people in the office of charlie Hebdo killed so so think about that you know they lost their staff <laughs> a large part of their staff 12 people and yet they are going on doing um what they think is right which is standing up for freedom of speech and which is trying to make a point um, in this cartoon that Meghan Markle was making false claims of racism. So, you know, to, um, satire is a very powerful means of, um, of making political statements or making cu cultural statements, societal statements. It's very powerful. Of course, the only problem is you have to, you have to interpret it correctly to get what it means, but, um, but in this case, um, you know, in this case, people are just going for like the the simplistic way of looking at it or, or, rea or reacting. They're just reacting the way this is the way our culture has been going with same way they react to Seuss, Dr. Seuss, you know, the same thing with uh, jumping on Dr. Seuss, jumping on um, Mr. Potato Head, Mrs. Potato Head, and and all of the um, all the cancel culture things, which you know, send me up a wall, and I hope they send you up a wall too. So that is the frame of mind that they are looking at this. Plus, it's in French. So unless you know French well, <laughs> and again, it's pourquoi Megan Akite Buckingham? Pourquoi, why did Megan leave Buckingham Palace? And as she is saying in this cartoon, because I could no longer breathe just like George Floyd. 
All right, well, we'll take a break right now. When we come back, I'm gonna to talk to you about the, um, the interview, the interview by Oprah of Meghan Markle and um, Harry. And, and you will see, if, if you've watched the, uh, the interview, you will understand what I'm talking about when I say that it was false claims of uh, racism on the part of Megan. All right, well, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Um, we're talking today about Charlie Hebdo, uh, the Charlie Hebdo cover of Megan Markle, Lost in Translation. Everybody, or I, I don't want to say everybody, because fortunately it's not everybody. I mean, I think, for example, the French get it. <laughs> um, I don't think there are a lot of French people who are as outraged as the British because the British are missing the subtleties. You know, that is part of it, too. The words, um, you know, that uh, you do have to kind of get the subtlety of it. And as I said, it isn't a very flattering picture of the Queen that I, I wish they hadn't. I wish they had made the, uh, but you know, in satire, you over, you exaggerate things to kind of make your point. But, um, and so my premise here is that I'm trying to explain how the reaction, the uh, outrage reaction um, is not getting the satire and that it's really about Megan's false claims of racism. So now let me go to the interview um, that Oprah had of Megan and Harry, uh, an interview which to begin with, I had hoped and tried to call for to be postponed because Prince Philip was in the hospital. He's been recovering. He had a heart surgery and is recovering. And um, I think quite frankly, that it was the um, portent of this interview with Oprah that made Prince Philip get sick in the first place. And I think Megan broke his heart. So, okay, now, um, the, so the interview uh, was really nauseating. <laughs> I, I made myself sit through it all two hours because I knew I was gonna want to comment on it, um, but it was really very painful to continue to watch. Um, and I can't, I know for some people it's taboo, just like the Charlie Hebdo cover, to point out the fallacies in Megan's diatribe, but I can't sit by and watch her statements being swallowed whole, everybody believing it. Unfortunately, not everybody does believe it. There are, and especially after the interview, um, there have been a lot of people coming out, showing, pointing out, and proving that a lot of things that she said were lies. Um, so now, let me, there were two main bombshells, one that had to do with suicide and one that had to do with skin color. So of course the cartoon in Charlie Hebdo was relating to the skin color issue because they were connecting it to George Floyd and the current ongoing trial um, of uh, Chauvin, the policeman um, who uh, is charged with, with um, George Floyd's death. So, okay, so he, let's talk about the suicide bombshell, first of all, that Megan said. Megan would have us believe that she didn't want to live anymore at some time during her pregnancy because she was allegedly told that her baby wouldn't be given a title and wouldn't be given security. 
and because someone was questioning how dark her baby would be. Now, um, she also said that, well, let me just, um, you know, the, the um, let me point out that since the interview, it has been pointed out by people who, you know, close to the royal family, that in fact, historically and traditionally, her baby, no matter what color the baby's skin would not have been given, was not entitled to a title or security. That's just the way it is um, in, the, in the protocol. And um, so now she also said that she went to someone connected to the royal family and they told her that she couldn't get help for her alleged suicidal thoughts because she wasn't an employee. Now, there was no reason for her to go to someone close to the royal family to ask for help. And so this is why, why this is all a fallacy. She didn't have to ask permission unless she was trying to ask them to pay for her treatment of sorts. Um, she also said that she was, you know, what was she gonna do? Take an Uber to get to treatment wherever it was that she was thinking she might go for treatment. Well, this is all pretty ridiculous because Harry has been a strong supporter of mental health issues for years now. And he has talked about how he got therapy to try to cope with his mother's death and that it was really very helpful, which is also part of the reason why he has been devoting himself to causes related to mental health. So if you are feeling suicidal, he would be a good person to tell about it. And she alleges that she did tell him and that, um, and that uh, all what he did was um, comfort her when they went to Royal Albert Hall for some kind of an event, he squeezed her hand. Now, Harry would be overly sensitive, very sensitive, especially since she was carrying his baby. Do you think Harry would want her to die or her, his baby to die? He would have been very sensitive if he felt for a second that she really was uh, seriously thinking of committing suicide, he would have jumped on it. He would have done something right away. So obviously he was not convinced that she really did have suicidal thoughts. Um, Harry has, um, has psychiatrists, because of his work with mental health professionals, he has mental health professionals on speed dial who he could have asked to come to their home to talk with Megan. So to say that she'd have to take an Uber and all and, and why she had to ask somebody next to the royal family, it makes no sense whatsoever. Now also during pregnancy, a woman has hormonal fluctuations, we know that, and these fluctuations can cause mood swings and even suicidal thoughts. So there doesn't have to be any alleged royal drama for, um, a woman, a pregnant woman, to have to be depressed and to have thoughts of suicide. Now, again, I am not confirming, you know, I, I don't think she did have thoughts of suicide or Harry would have picked up on it. Um, and um, okay, so that's that's that. That's the suicide bombshell. That's why that's a fallacy. Now let's say talk about the skin color, because that is particularly related to this cartoon. So why is the skin color issue a fallacy? Well, I um, know firsthand that um, 
well, first of all, as a physician and as someone who worked as a technical consultant and therapist for three years on a television program called Paternity Court. It was Emmy nominated. And it's a show where couples come to find out who the daddy is. And sometimes the couples come and the man who is there wants to be the daddy. Sometimes he doesn't want to be the daddy. And, and you know, that's, that's what builds up the suspense. And um, a number of these couples were um, two races, um, you know, that the father was one race and the, and the mother was another race. Of course, I'm talking about black and white. They were mixed race couples. So now um, sometimes the men, depending upon whether they wanted to be the father or didn't want to be the father, they would say um, that they, they would look at the baby's skin. So like if they were black and the baby's skin was white, they would say, I can't be the father or the baby would be black or the baby would be brown. And so many times and vice versa. Um, and so many times it turned out that either that the man was the father, even though the baby didn't seem like what they would have expected in terms of color of the skin. So the bottom line is um, what determines a baby's skin color is far more complex than just a mixture of how white one mother, one parent is and how black the other parent is. It's, it's much more complicated. There's a lot of biology and genetics that go into this. So now most people don't understand this, the details of this. And so it really wouldn't be that, um, it, it wouldn't mean that somebody is racist if they express curiosity about what the baby's skin color is. And yet Megan has jumped on, assuming there was somebody. First of all, she, when she was talking to Oprah, she made it seem like the whole royal family was asking about you know, the skin color and they were like terrified that um, it was gonna be you know, not, not pure white. And that isn't the case at all. And then um, Harry came out and he said, um, he alluded to, he was very vague, they were all very vague, but he alluded to um, the fact that there was one person and that they weren't going to say who it was. I mean, she kind of alluded to it being, what she sort of went back and forth, whether it was one person or the whole family or whatever. Um, so then he came out, what he said made it seem a lot less, uh, you know, that it wasn't everybody clamoring to know this answer. So, um, What's interesting is that um, Megan's father, some, you know, he, he has his problems, but um, he, uh, you know, he he's comes out with things, you know, he, he tells it like it is, and because he, he doesn't care about uh, whether anybody likes him or not. So what he said was that if anyone connected to the royals asked about the skin color before the baby was born, it could easily have just been curiosity a simple dumb question, not a racist one. So that goes exactly with what I was saying before about my, my own experience with how people don't really get that. They don't understand all the complexities of skin color. Okay, now the interesting psychological part to this is that Megan was saying, you know, basically the whole royal family was, <laughs> was uh, waiting on, on, uh, was on edge, um, they couldn't wait to see what color the baby's skin was. Well, really, I believe that it was Megan 
who was concerned about what the color of the baby's skin was going to be. And she was just projecting these fears and concerns and anxiety onto the royal family. And why do I say that? Because she, um, you may remember this, that when she uh, had her baby, it was not in the usual place um, where most royals have their baby, which is a more uh, you know, public or accessible kind of place. She had her, her baby um, in, a, in a much more hidden kind of place. And she didn't pose for the royal photo that um, royals pose with when they have a baby. You might have remembered, um, you might remember Kate coming out with her babies and standing with William and uh, holding the baby in her arms. And, you know, the photographers come and snap, snap, snap. They're all taking pictures. Well, Megan didn't do that. Why? Why didn't Megan do it if she didn't think that there was anything wrong with, or she wasn't afraid of what the baby's skin color was going to be? So really, this is all projection and, um, and not racism. And um, people have come out since the interview, by the way, and they have said that um, you know many people have come out who work for the royals and who are black and all different uh, ethnic backgrounds and so on. And many people have said how not uh, racist the royal family is. And I certainly believe the royal family is not racist. Okay, when we come back, um, I'm going to look a little bit into the background of uh, the backstory of Charlie Hebdo, the magazine, because again, what's important is to put this current cover that's sending everyone into a tizzy um, into the context of the magazine. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking about Charlie Hebdo, cover of Meghan Markle, Lost in Translation. So now I'm going to give you a little remind you actually of some context of Charlie Hebdo, the French magazine. Um, it is, uh, as I was saying earlier, it's carrying on the ancient French tradition of satire. Um, of course, <laughs> maybe when it's maybe when it started in ancient, <laughs> when it was you know originally started, people weren't there wasn't cancel culture at that time, so maybe people had more of an appreciation for it, but. Um, they have really gone through very hard times, as you'll hear, um, to keep this uh, magazine alive, uh, despite the fact that they were attacked by terrorists on several occasions. And um, because of cartoons that they put on, uh, on the cover and inside and so on, uh, there were terror attacks in 2011, 2011 and 2015 and 2020. And, um, you know, primarily that had to do with uh, controversial cartoons depicting the Prophet Muhammad. And, um, you know, so it's, it's not just uh, Meghan Markle who they are satirizing. It's, um, you know, it's, she's, she's in good company or bad company or whatever, however you wanna look at it. Um, so they did publish some pretty outrageous uh, pictures, cartoons of Mohammed. They had him nude. They had him on all fours with a star covering his butt. They had him in various um, different positions and saying various things and so on. And that caused them to be <laughs> on the bad side, to get on the bad side of Al-Qaeda Al and other radical Islamists. So in 2015, uh, sort of the worst or the most famous attack 
was in on January 7th in 2015 when two Islamist gunmen forced their way into the Paris headquarters of Charlie Hebdo and opened fire and killed 12 people, most of them who worked um, at the magazine. And at the time that they did it, they shouted, of course, Allahu Akbar, God is great. And um, the two gunmen were um, Saeed uh, Kouashi and Sharif Kouashi. And they were French Muslim brothers of Algerian descent. And um, after this attack, there that is where the hashtag uh, Je suis Charlie, I am Charlie, uh, started being adopted on Twitter and on other social media to show um, that you are, if you put it on your you know, post, it shows that you are in solidarity with Charlie Hebdo um, in regard to freedom of speech and freedom of the press and all of that. Now, um, another, another um, incident, I mean, there was another uh, important date, I guess, um, in the story of Charlie Hebdo um, came in, on, in September 2020 um, when Charlie Hebdo published on the cover and in the magazine, republished, I should say, the same um, cartoons of Mohammed that they had published before that got all this controversy that you know resulted in the 2015 terrorist attack um, on them. And in, um, they published it on September 1st, 2020, which was the day before the trial of the um, uh, people who helped the perpetrators of the 2015 attack. So, um, you know, this was an important trial that went on in, in Paris and they were in fact convicted. These um, people who aided the uh, radical Islamists the um, who uh, in who attacked uh, the magazine and a kosher market in 2015, and I actually um, did a uh, a previous podcast on this. It was is called so I, I would direct your, you to that if you'd like to hear that again. Maybe you've heard it once. Um, the the uh, podcast came out on September 25th, 2020, and the title of it is Charlie Hebdo republishing cartoons, freedom of speech or asking for trouble. And um, I said, as the trial begins for the alleged accomplices to the Charlie Hebdo and kosher market attacks, controversial cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad have reappeared on the magazine cover. The editors have taken this risk because they are concerned that France and the rest of the world have forgotten the message of Je suis Charlie. After the tragic massacre of Charlie Hebdo editors, cartoonists, and other staff, this slogan united people in support of freedom of speech and freedom of the press. And I'm reading from my description of that um, previous uh, podcast. And so um, this episode, you know, that episode, uh, September 2020, takes you back to January 2015 and reminds you of what happened and why. It also puts the three terrorists who perpetrated these attacks on the couch, Sharif and Saeed Kouachi, the two brothers who attacked Charlie Hebdo, and Amadi Koulibaly, who attacked the kosher market. 
And so um, there was there was a backlash to the republishing of the cartoons. You know, there were lots of protests and so on, both in in Paris and uh, in France and in um, Pakistan. You know, so they did. Uh, there was a backlash, but um, clearly, <laughs> clearly they have, do not regret. Um, you know, publishing controversial things that are satirical and that are meant to make people think. Okay, it's not just for the hell of it. Um, you know, even the cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad and the, the writings that um, were next to the cartoon, they were, they were making a point. Um, for example, there, was, there were things about um, um, Sharia law, how violent Sharia law is, and all of that kind of thing. If they are trying to make statements, um, satirical commentary, so that things in society will change for the better. Now, I also did another um, podcast on November 6, 2020, that was a follow-up, and that was about the teacher. A teacher, and I'm reading from this uh, description of the podcast, a teacher in a Paris suburb and a churchgoer in Nice were beheaded. Um, well, I'm, I'm really focusing on the teacher. Um, after cartoons, of the, after, so in other words, after Charlie Hebdo republished the cartoons on the eve of that trial, um, in 2020, um, you know, there were all these things that, that happened as a result. Um, and the, one of the main things that happened is that a teacher named Samuel Paty, he was, um, he was beheaded and he was a beloved teacher. He brought history to life for his students. And that's what he was trying to do when he showed his class controversial cartoons of the prophet Muhammad and allowed Muslims to leave if they were going to be offended. But one girl, now, so here, this is in the news now. Uh, this has come back into the news. So they beheaded him, a man, um, a Chechen teenager, Abdullah Anzorov um, beheaded him. And that's because this girl, this 13 year old girl told her father that, and, that, um, that he had shown these cartoons in a very, in a way that was um, um, the, the, where he uh, insulted the prophet Muhammad and insulted Muslims and the religion of Islam and all of that. She, she made up, well, as it turns out, she made up the story. And when this happened, and even when I did this podcast, I remember talking about how there was something weird, something fishy about this girl and her story. And she, um, she, uh, when she went home and told her father, and it turns out she wanted to make him happy because apparently her father um, was not, you know, was very sensitive to, we, we really haven't gotten that whole story, but she knew it would make his, her father happy. Let's put it that way. She knew it would make her father happy if she complained to him that there was this teacher who was showing these cartoons and who was uh, insulting Islam. And so now it turns out um, that this girl has admitted that she was lying. She confessed that she was lying. Meanwhile, <laughs> the teacher is dead. He is beheaded. We can't bring the teacher back and she was lying. And she said that she, uh, she um, made this story uh, to please her father. She originally claimed that this teacher 
um, who was 47 years old, had asked Muslim students to leave the class before he showed them cartoons of Mohammed during a class on free speech. She told her father that she was then suspended for two days after she challenged the teacher for sending Muslim students into the hall while he showed the blas blasphemous image. Now, of course, we don't know, you know how much of this is, uh, um, you know, exactly how many details of this are lies other than the fact that the teacher was not um, trying to um, cast aspersions on Muslims or on Islam. Um, so then her father, she told her father this lie and the father filed a legal complaint against the teacher, which then started a social media campaign against the teacher, which then this man, this uh, uh, Abdullah Anzarov saw this um, online campaign and got, he was 18 years old, and he got excited by it, you know, um, uh, moved to violence, and he went and he uh, beheaded the teacher. And um, so, ten days after this, after this girl lied, uh, and after the, the social media campaign went on, the, that's when this um, Chechen terrorist beheaded him. And. Um, and then there's been a lot of honoring of the teacher and so on. You may have seen that, all kinds of flags and posters and all of that honoring him. Um, and what it did turn out to be was that the girl had been suspended the day before for failing to attend class and she didn't want her father to know about the punishment. So she made up this whole story. Now she has an attorney because she is in deep <laughs> uh, poo. <laughs> um, she, her attorney is saying that the girl wasn't in class. So, so technically she wouldn't know what the teacher said, but, um, but, but the attorney is saying that she wasn't in class because she was out sick that day. And she lied because she felt trapped in a spiral because her classmates had asked her to be a spokesperson. So here's the thing, you know, clearly there were people, there were other kids in the class. She wasn't there, but there were kids in the class who apparently or unless she's lying about this too, it may have been that these um, classmates asked her to be a spokesperson against this teacher, um, trying to claim that he, you know, did this in a very um, uh, to ridicule Islam, which again was not was ever after this happened. Everyone came out talking about this teacher, and that is not what he was like. He he used the cartoons to show freedom of speech. Um, Anyhow, the, the lawyer, her lawyer, the girl's lawyer is saying that the father should be the one blamed for the fallout due to his, quote, excessive and disproportionate behavior. That is filing the legal claim um, and, and starting a whole social media campaign. So the girl has been charged with slander and her father was arrested on suspicion of being complicit in a terrorist killing because that is what that is what um, you know. The beheading was a terrorist. Uh, that was a terrorist killing. So, <laughs> oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we plan to deceive, uh, plot to deceive, or whatever that, that saying is. It's really 
said, because this was a really good man, the teacher, you know, you, I'm sure you probably have heard some things about him. He did not deserve to be beheaded. Nobody deserves to be beheaded for that matter. And now to get back to the current brouhaha of the Charlie Hebdo magazine cover. Um, again, you can see how it is being lost in translation. The cover, um, which is mocking Meghan Markle for her false claims of racism, not racism itself. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.